most of all, Lord, do not allow us to leave here unchanged. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk to you for a few moments about the dangers of imagination. Say that with me, the dangers of imagination. See, part of the problem of us as Christians is that when we accept Christ, is that we think that everything is going to be smooth. We think that we're not going to encounter problems. We think that everything, that everything around us is going to subject itself to us after we have accepted Christ. But one of the things that we have to understand is, is illuminated here in our text in verse 3. It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That means that the power that God has given us, the strength that he's given us, even the equipment we've taken on as a result of us having a relationship with God, does not mean that we ourselves have the power to subject our enemies. We don't subject the people around you. You know the, your enemies, your haters, or whatever you call them, those who are working against you. Sometimes we think that we have the power to subdue them of ourselves. But the Bible tells us in instructions that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That means that it does not war, we are not warring against the flesh. You know, for we, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and, and things to come. And the powers of this world, we're not, we're not warring against flesh. So that means that you get saved, but then you're still going to have enemies. You're still going to have people working against you. And you of your own self and of your own powers do not have the ability to subdue your enemies with the spiritual weapons that God has given us. For we war not against the flesh. We have a higher calling. Someone say a higher calling. We have a higher calling. We have a higher calling than to get back at, the, the, at Tanisha at work who's talking behind your back. We have a higher calling than that. We have a higher calling than, than those who are, the, for those who we don't like trying to set them down or to make them look bad. We have a higher calling than that. Trying to subdue the people who you feel are working against you or who don't like you, our calling is higher than that. Say that with me. Our calling is higher than that. So why are you spending so much time on that? Why are you spending so much time trying to work against people who you feel don't like you or who are working against you? Why are you spending, when I say time, I'm talking about even your mindset. Why am I mentally giving people my time who are not helping me to get to where God desires me to be? I'm wasting my time thinking about that. Some of you are not only wasting your time thinking about them, then you're wasting more time because then you're trying to scheme and figure a way that you're going to get them back. You're wasting your time, and your weapons are not carnal. They're not intended to operate against the flesh. They're not intended to work in the way that you're intending them to because even though you might be saved, your flesh is still in your mind. You, Paul said, we, we, I, I die daily. I have to fight against the fleshly thoughts of my mind, the fleshly ruminations of my mind that try to put me in places that take my time away from God. All the devil has to do is keep your mind occupied. If he keeps your mind occupied, 
You're not going to do what God told you to do if it keeps your mind occupied. You won't be able to bless other people and let them know that God is truly the way if he keeps your mind occupied. Sometimes we're tired because not because we're doing the things of God, but because we're doing the things of the flesh. You might ought to ask yourself, why am I so tired? Am I tired because I'm working on the things of God? Or am I tired because I'm working on the ruminations of my fleshly mind? What am I waking up thinking about? When you wake up in the morning, what are you thinking about? They used to sing, sing the song, I woke up this morning with my mind, stayed on Jesus, and half the people who were singing it were lying. You didn't wake up with your mind on Jesus. I'm being real with this thing. You woke up with your mind on your bills. You woke up with your mind on on trying to make it to work on time. You woke up and think that that I hit the the snooze alarm too many times. You You didn't wake up thinking about Jesus, and that's how the devil gets us, because he occupies our mind. You can come to church every Sunday, every time you get a chance. You can come to church and you can spend as much time in this building as you want. The devil is not concerned as long as he's occupying your mind. He doesn't care where your body is as long as he has the power to occupy your mind. In fact, the devil, and even in your mind, this might be a working of the devil, he makes you think that just coming to church is enough. The devil doesn't mind you coming to church, especially if he can convince you that being in church is all you need to do. You can can come to church, but but you don't have an encounter with God. You, You come to church, but you never allow what you hear to change your mind. As long as you don't allow coming to church to take over your mind, the devil is not concerned. If you act the same next week as you did the week before and the week before that because church is not changing your mind, the devil is not concerned. He's not concerned. He's not concerned because he knows that he yet occupies your mind. And when you think the devil occupying my mind, we're not talking about, he's not trying to make you a, a follower of Satan. He's trying to keep you so busy that you don't think on the things that you should think. Whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. If the devil is occupying your mind, you're not even doing what God told you to do relative to your own mind. Because he is occupying your mind. Your body might not be in captivity, but he knows that your mind. So you fall back into the same traps that you, were, that you were doing all week, even after you've come to church on Sunday, because the devil is occupying your mind. Why do I fall back into my old habits? Why am I still doing the things that I know are not pleasing to God? Because you're behind being in church does not change your mind. He, the, the devil is saying this, if I can keep them, their mindset in a certain place, that I don't, it does not matter where their body goes because I'm occupying their mind. 
So that means we have to understand that, that that brings us to a better understanding of the text that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. It does not matter how saved you plan to be, but if you're fighting fleshly battles, then the devil is still one because he's occupying your mind. If you spend Monday through Friday worrying about if people are talking about you in the corner, the devil is occupying your mind. If you spend all week figuring how you're going to get back at that person who, who, who wronged you, who, who dug a ditch for you, then the devil is occupying your mind. If your mind is just busy with, with, with what, what life brings to you and you don't spend any time reading God's word or meditating on his word or spending any time in prayer, then the devil is not worried about you making it to church on Sunday because he still has your mind. So if I'm allowing the devil to occupy my mind, then there are things that I need to change. Coming to church is not the problem. It's just making sure you can be in church. But as they say, I'm not letting church get in me. I'm not letting, I'm not having that mindset of Jesus Christ, allowing it to overtake my mind and change what I do. Because the devil doesn't matter what you hear, he's more concerned with what you do. If what you hear does not change what you do, then you're going in the same cycle week after week, month after month, year after year. You're going to fall into the same traps. You're going to go back to the same worldly habits. You're going to be more focused on what life is bringing rather than what God desires you to do. He's allowing you to fall into those traps because he's still has your mind. So, but what God is trying to impress upon us is that he's, he wants us to open our mind so that he can change and he can help us make those decisions that we need to make on a daily basis, to do the things that we need to do to show and demonstrate that we have a changed mind. And you ought to ask yourself almost each Sunday, How am I going to be different this week? How am I going to be different this week? I try to help you each Sunday when we give you our text, put our text back up there. I give you a question that maybe you can ask yourself. Is my problem real? Is this a real problem or is this an imagined problem? Because some of you are out there with your boxing gloves on and you're boxing your imagination. You're not fighting a real problem. You're boxing your imagination. Why? Because the devil yet has your mind. Some of you all are fighting enemies that do not exist. I think the Bible says a fool runneth when no man chases. You're running away from problems that don't exist. You're fighting issues that that, that are not real, and it's because you've allowed your imagination and the devil's captivity of your mind to control how you think and what you do. I need to think different. I challenge you with that on this week. I need to think different after this message, after this word. I need to think different. Because if I don't think different, then I'm going to fall into the same traps that got me last week. If I don't think different, I'm going to fall into the same bad habits that have gripped me my whole life if I don't think different. Point at somebody and tell them it's time to think different. It's time. It's time to to think 
different. It's time not to fall back into my old thought processes. But I need to think. I need to imagine. I need to dream. I need to believe based on what God's word is saying to me. I don't need to be trapped by my own thoughts. Some of us are in imagination, imaginary captivity. The Bible says here in our text, it says in bringing down all imaginations and any, and any thought that arises against the knowledge of God. Your imagination is trying to convince you that what you know about God is not real. Your imagination is trying to come even against your own experience with God. Because your experience gives you knowledge, but your imagination is trying to attack your experience with God. Because if you've ever had an experience with God, then you know he's real. You know he's real. You know he's real. And not only is he real, you know he's all-powerful. He's omnipotent. He's omniscient. He's infallible. He does not make a mistake. We know that God is thinking about us. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, thoughts of good and not evil, to bring you a future and a hope. Why does God need to say that? I was pondering that myself. Why does God need to enunciate that he has good thoughts for us? He's saying that because we need to lift that word up as a standard against our own fleshly imagination. Because if we don't lift up that word in our heart, our fleshly imagination will take over and it will dictate how we think. It will dictate how we act and it will lead us on a road to hell. If we allow our fleshly imagination to take root in our minds and not lift up the standard that God has given us, letting us know that he knows the thoughts that he thinks towards us, that he has a good good hope and, and future prepared and planned for us, so we have to lift up that word in our hearts and in our minds when our imagination comes to take over us, when it comes to attack us. But what, when does imagination come to attack? Imagination comes for you, for you when you're most vulnerable. Imagination comes for you when you're weak. They say that people who have been in the desert a long time, wandering in the desert, fought, dealing with dehydration, longing for water, said that they'll be there so long that all of a sudden they'll begin to imagine. They see mirages in the desert. Their imagination tells them that water is ahead when there is no water. And they say that they can get to a certain point where they've really literally lost their logical thinking. They begin to eat of the sand, thinking that they're drinking water. Because at a desperate point, your imagination can take hold. And that's when imagination comes for you, when you're at your most desperate point. When you feel like when you feel like they're coming against you, you we often tell the story uh, of David and, and King Saul from the perspective of David. That David had to run from Saul, but you remember the Bible tells you clearly that demons were troubling Saul. Saul's imagination was coming after him to the point that he threw a, threw a, 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 a spear at David. Even while David was trying to play the music, they said David played music. To quell his demons. 
The music was there to play so that Saul wouldn't allow his imaginations to take over his mind, to take over his actions. He thought David was against him when David was not against him. He warred for months and years against David because his imagination had concluded in his mind that he must kill David so that he could get right. I want to say that because some of you are warring against people and you think that if I war against them, if I win over them, then I'll get right. You're in your mind, if I do better than they do, if I'm in a better situation than they are, if I can say that I'm better than them, then I will be all right. That is a faulty, fleshly imagination that the devil has allowed you to conjure in your own mind because we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. I'm not living life to beat somebody else. I'm going to free somebody this morning. You're trapped in the captivity of thinking that if I'm better than this person or if I do better than that person, then I'm going to be all right. Baby, that is captivity. That is the imagination of a fleshly mind. I don't, I'm not living to be better than someone else. I'm not working to be better than someone else. I'm not living for the purpose of showing somebody who I am. Some of you are trapped in the imagination and captivity of old relationships. And you're saying, I'm going I'm to show them. I'm working out so I can show them how fine I can be. I, I'm going to get the best job I can get to show them that I am somebody. And in all of that, you're losing sight of what God desires you to do because your imagination has your mind in captivity. It has you thinking that you wrestle against flesh. It's troubling your mind. Your imagination is taking over. And just like Saul, you're chasing the own demons, the own, the, the old ruminations of your own mind, trying to war against someone else's flesh. And it has nothing to do with them. And it's all about you. Not overcoming your own imagination. It comes for you when you're weak. It comes for you when you're low. Remind a funny story. Uh, one day a, a, a husband had... He, he woke up one morning and his wife, she, she looked at him funny and then he, and he got up out of the bed and then later on she, she, she burned his food. It looked like she thought he burned it on purpose. And then he, he, he went to work and then he, and she, she usually called him during the day. She didn't call him. And then, then he came back and she was still mad. And, and she was, uh, he finally said, what's going on with you? She said, I dreamed last night that you cheated on me. And she'd allowed her own imagination to impact how her actions. The point of that is, and often we do the same thing. It's not necessarily a dream, but it's the imagination that we have in our own mind. So now we wake up in our mind, and you know what the devil implants in your head? He said, it's going to be a bad day. The devil tells you, it's going to be a bad day today. So you wake up and you're mad and you're, you're frustrated and you're moody and, and you're emotional. And if you took stock for a few moments, you wouldn't even know why. But the imaginations of the devil have taken over your mind and told you it was going to be a bad day. So you're living out a false imagination. Living out, and, and how many of us on a daily basis are living out a false imagination? 
Something that you have constructed in your mind or even you accepting what somebody else has said to you. And you've allowed their words to infiltrate your mind and your imagination has told you you're not good enough. You're not worth anything. Nobody wants you. Nobody desires you. Nobody will help you. God is not on your side. You do not have a purpose. God has no plans for you. You're just living day to day, punching a clock, and God yet has no purpose for you. You're going to do the same thing until you die. We've allowed the imaginations that the devil has implanted in our mind to dictate how we live, how, how we work, how we feel, how we think about ourselves. I told you before, it's not what others say about you, it's what you say to yourself. But when we allow our imagination to take over, we're living out, listen, get this, we're living out life that was dictated by someone else's word. We're living out somebody else's words. I often come back to this because it's so powerful. Elijah told the boy, he, he, Elijah said, I, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. And then he sent the little boy up over the cliff to look for the clouds, to look for the rain. And the boy kept coming back and saying, there is nothing. Many of us in that same instance, when the boy came back one time and said, there is nothing, we would have said, oh, Lord, you've abandoned Lord, it's over. Must not have really been your word. I just give up. And we're raising a generation of children who give up. They give up. One bad thing goes wrong, the whole day is shot. It's just not my day. I might as well just crawl back in the bed. We're, we're not teaching them to overcome adversity, and that means that even when God tells you something, there will yet be adversity. Everything is not going to be smooth just because God told you something. We have to persevere in our own actions and in our own life to achieve that what God has already told us. He said, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain and Elijah determined in his own mind and in his own heart as until my outside begins to match up with what God told me. I'm not going to rest. I'm not going to accept anything less than what God told me. And I, I need you to get that in your spirit, in your heart, in your lifestyle from day to day when you leave this place. I'm not going to rest until what's on the outside matches what God told me on the inside. He said there's going to be rain, and until I see a drop, I'm going to keep believing on what God told me. So it goes back to the fundamental point of your imagination. Am I going to believe my imagination, or am I going to believe what God told me? And we have to have the determination of Elisha, I'm not going to rest, and I'm not going to accept, get this, any word that doesn't line up with what God told me. That doesn't mean, and, and some of us, we, we get confused when people say it. Don't get confused when people say things that don't match up with what God told you. Don't allow that to confuse you. Don't that, allow that to dictate how you live or how you think. Never get confused when people say things that don't line up with what God told you. When, when, when they don't line up, I'm, I'm not worried about it. I'm not concerned about it. I heard it, but I'm not going to internalize 
what they said. God said you are the head and not the tail. And the only reason you're playing the tail is because you've allowed your imagination to control how you act and how you think. The only reason you think you're by yourself in this situation is because God said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. But the only reason you feel like you're alone is you allowed your imagination to dictate how you think and how you live. Some of you said, I'm living in lack and that's how I'll always live. But my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. I'm not living by what God said. I'm living by what my imagination has told me. We are healed. Peter said, you, we were healed by, 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 by the wounds, by, by the stripes, uh, by God, the stripes on his back. We, we were healed. That means it's already done. Somebody say it's already done. It's already happened. It's already been spoken. And whatever we bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever we loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. The, the problem is we're allowing our imagination to dictate how we think and how we live. That, that imagination comes when you're weak. It, it tries to trick you and tries to fool you. But let me tell you something and I'm finished. Imagination comes when you're already in the right place. <laughs> the devil's imagination comes to distract you when you're already in the right, I wish I would get that. that. The devil doesn't need to send his imagination to you if you're in the wrong place. Because you're not in a place where you're going to receive what God has from you. But the devil wants to distract you when you're in the right place. He comes to take you off the path because if you walk in the wrong path, the devil doesn't need to distract you. I wish I would get this because I'm going to help somebody because you're going through something right now and you don't understand why, why you're going through it. But I came to tell you that trial came and that imagination came against your mindset because the devil realizes if you keep walking that same path, if you keep going the way that God told you to go, if you keep doing what God told you to do, that along the line that you're going to find his blessing. And what I've told you is what the devil does is he tries to distract you because if he gets you distracted, you won't, you'll leave the place where God told you to be. Because remember why, remember why do we take on the armor of God? He's got the helmet of salvation. He's got the shield of faith. He's got the sword of the spirit. You got your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of feet. Your loins gird with truth. He says you put on the whole armor of God. Why? He says so you can stand. That means that he's prepared you to defend the place where you are. God is equipping you to defend the place where he put you. Come on, say it with me. Say God is preparing me is to defend the place where I am. In other words, he's saying, I don't want you to move. You're going through a trial right now. You're going through a storm right now. But the devil has sent his imagination so that you'll move from the place where you are. But if you don't move, if you stay right there, God's sending his blessing in your direction. 
after the storm. Somebody say after the storm. After the storm, after the trial, God's sending his blessing. And the only way you miss it is if you move from the place where you are. Don't allow the devil's imagination to distract you from what God told you to do. Don't allow it to distract you from standing in the place where you are. Because if you stay right there, the old song used to sing a song that said, I'll, I'll wait right here. Because if I wait on the Lord, I'll renew my strength. I'll mount them with wings of these. I can run and not be weary. I can walk and not faint. If I wait right here, somebody say wait right here. If I wait right here, God said I will attend to your needs. I won't leave you where you are. But he said I'm sending my blessing in your direction. If you'll wait on me, somebody said I need to wait. If I wait on the Lord. My strength is coming. My power is coming. My mindset is coming. So if I have my mind set on the Lord, God told Peter, Peter said, if it be you, Lord, can I step out of the ship? Jesus said, go ahead. I dare you to come. I dare you to step out. So Peter stepped out of the ship. And as long as his eyes was fixed on Jesus. He was able to walk on the water. What I'm telling you is there is nothing that is impossible to you. If you keep your mind stayed on him, you can make it. You can come out of that. If you keep your mind stayed on the Lord. I walk up this morning with my mind stayed on him. I'm going to focus on him because with him, I can make it. With him, I can make it over. With him, I can do all things through Christ. Let's strengthen him. Come on, put those hands together. change mindset I came here I came to church to give God glory I came to give him praise but I also have to come with an openness to allow his word to change my mind if I go home thinking like I thought when I got here I haven't allowed his word to change my mind I haven't allowed I haven't become diligent about focusing on him. What he has for me. What he has in store for me. What he has waiting on me. We want to walk into a future. We we talk about going to another level in God. We can't master the level that we're on until we change our mind. Until we allow God to refocus our mind to not allow imaginary enemies and situations to keep us in captivity we have to venture out and step out on God we have to trust God with our next step because we can't stay where we are 
and then go to the next level in God. See, some of us, we have that conflict. We say we want to go to the next level in God, but when he opens the door, we don't step through it. We don't step through it because we're so comfortable with where we are. Some of us are confined by the thought that I'll never achieve more than what I've already achieved. My life will never be better than what it is right now. Some of us think like we act as if it's already over. The devil, the time for us, that's our own construct. Some of us think we're at a certain age, so it's over. Some of us think that we've had certain experiences in our life and time has passed us by. That's because we have an imagination that keeps us in captivity. God said, open your minds. And he said, now to him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. That's the God I want you to trust this week. Trust that God this week. Trust that God. Don't be limited by what you've seen or what you've experienced. I'm trusting the God that is able to do above what I'm even able to imagine. I'm trusting him this week with that. I'm praying to him this week like that. In fact, my prayers need to come up to that level that that's who I'm praying to. I'm not praying to a limited God. Come on, talk to me. I'm not praying to a limited God. I'm not just praying God that he helps me pay my electric bill this week. I'm praying to a God that can eliminate all my debt. That's the kind of God I'm praying to. I'm not praying to a God that, that he doesn't, that the repo man doesn't come take my car this week. I'm praying to a God that can give me a car free and clear, completely paid for. That's the kind of God that, I, that I'm praying for. Not praying to a God so I can get a few cents added, added on to my hourly wage. I, I'm praying to a God that can take me to a, another level, that can get me a promotion and advancement beyond my imagination. That's the kind of God that I'm praying to. And if the Bible says when we pray, Believe that you will receive it, and then you shall have it. It's not that we can't pray, and it's not that God can't do it. It's we have to believe that we can receive it. And if we can believe that we can receive it, we shall have that which we ask for. If you believe that, put those hands together and give God some praise. Hallelujah, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. For your word that comes to challenge our faith, comes to challenge our mindset, it comes to challenge how we fall back into predictable patterns. We fall back into those habits that we need to eradicate. Lord, help us to focus our minds on you, even on this week. Help us, Lord, to exercise our faith. Lord, you said if we have faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, we could speak to yonder's mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, and we shall have that what we ask, and nothing shall be impossible to us. Help us to adopt that mindset even on this week as we challenge ourselves to trust you more. And Lord, we're claiming deliverance, we're claiming breakthroughs in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. For those of you who've been watching us virtually, we pray that you live by faith and you trust the big God that we serve to do great things in your life, even on this week. God bless you. I hope and pray that each of you were touched and inspired by our service today. If you wish to partner with us, you can do so by Giveify. Download the app on Apple Store or Google Play and search for Bright Temple. If you wish to partner with us on Cash App, just look for Bright Temple in the two line. And in the four line, tell us the purpose of your gift. If you would rather mail your gift, you can mail us at Bright Temple, Post Office Box 453, Shelbyville, Tennessee, 37162. Thanks in advance for your generosity, and we pray God's blessings on you and your gift.